man, your uh, your your English is actually really damn good, huh? You're like you're like across across the world from me, and it's crazy where times have you know times have gotten, right? Uh, tell me, it how did is. how did that happen? It is. It's pretty. It's it's pretty interesting because uh, I grew up in Malaysia, mm-hmm. and in Malaysia, I, I attended a Chinese a Chinese school, which uh, which means that I, I learned Eng- well, I, I did learn English, but math and science was taught in Chinese. So mm-hmm. my primary mode of communication was in Chinese. I spoke English as well, but pretty much broken conversational English, still not too bad. Um, then I came to Singapore when I was 12 years old. I came here alone and I pretty much went through the entire educational system in Singapore from um, we call it secondary school, but it's pretty much high school, uh, mm-hmm. middle school or high school. And yeah, I pretty much grew up all the way till today. And it's been 10 years since, since then, 10, 11 did, years. Did they really push English in uh, Singapore? Yeah. So English yeah. is the, uh, is the official language, um, in, mm-hmm. in terms of pretty much anything that's, uh, that's conducted in Singapore. So and do you feel do you do you still speak Chinese? Yeah, I do. I speak Mandarin and Malay still conversationally, not not too well, but uh, still okay. And has that helped you? You know, having that you know two three language uh, languages behind your back. It has actually surprisingly. Uh, Mandarin is a big help, especially mm-hmm. when dealing with with uh, Chinese clients or clients that speak primarily Mandarin. Clients in Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, so that's pretty pretty interesting. But honestly, I, I do have to brush up on my my Mandarin. It's yeah, not, it's right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because everywhere <laughs> you're going now, it's like, and, and it's not like you're always in Singapore anyway. I'm uh, Singapore, right? I'm seeing you're traveling uh, more and more. Yeah, so. yeah. I do spend quite a bit of time um, in in Malaysia because mm-hmm. I, I do have a team in in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as I attend a couple of conferences uh, throughout the year in, in Europe and the States as well. But most of my time is still spent in Singapore. That's yeah. Joshua Chin, everybody. Be sure to check him out. If you're listening to one of the podcast uh, avenues and you want to put a face to the name, be sure to check him out on Facebook. That's joshua.chin.jl or on his LinkedIn, joshua-chin-jl. And as well as his uh, his web his um his agency, which is called Kronos Agency, you can check check the website out at Kronos Agency. And is that you don't you don't always see that um that that marker I guess right dot agency uh, yeah, for websites domain. yeah that domain yeah. um uh, is that like a newer trend I I I'm I'm not gonna lie I've only maybe seen that like once before in my life. Yeah, it's yeah, it definitely is a new thing. Um, I couldn't get, honestly, I couldn't get coronasagency.com. Mm-hmm. I was actually owned by, uh, another company. And there's always, I there's figured, always that one company. You're like, man, why? Yeah, they, they, exactly. they, they don't even operate anymore. They actually failed in business, but they still own <laughs> it. And that's, I have the same problem with hodgepodge.com. Nobody ah, yeah. like uses it. It's like they're lost in the world, but it's worth like tens of thousands of dollars. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. So if, if you search Kronos Agency, you'll get Kronos.agency as one of the top results and not KronosAgency.com because it, mm-hmm. it's not really it's active crazy. anymore. 
And does that have anything to do with your marketing skills to get it up there? Ah, I would attribute <laughs> that to my marketing team. I honestly, I'm, I'm not the best at digital marketing. I'm learning a lot from my team. Mm -hmm. So all credit goes to them. It's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's really the way that we've been, we've been operating, getting people who are you know, usually much better than me in, in a certain function or much better than my co-founder in a certain function, get the person in, build up that, that uh, the whole operating system in that department and then teach us how to use that operating system. That's been, so you're uh, telling me doing it alone is not the end all be all, huh? Like we always <laughs> think, right? Cause there's a lot of people uh, that, out there that yeah. think it's, you know, if you do it on your, by yourself, no one else could control it. And it's all, you know, for you and, and you have the final say, but here you, my, you didn't do that. Right. Yeah. My, my perspective is to, to really scale beyond um, a level that, that, uh, that, that you're comfortable with, mm -hmm. you got to get uncomfortable with, you know, delegating, with assigning responsibilities beyond um, giving up control, essentially. And that's honestly the most difficult part of building a business, I, I felt, in, in my experience. Um, it might be different for different people. I know of business owners who operate as a solo operation, doing millions in revenue per year. It is definitely possible, but it's not the norm. It's not, it, those are definitely outliers. Um, I found that to scale and to learn really quickly mm -hmm. and to grow really quickly as an individual and, and as an organization, I found that the best way is to get people who are much better than you, convince them to join the company, <laughs> hire them, work with them, find a way to <laughs> incorporate them into the, the business. And how do you convince someone that that is, you know, like you said, much better, for example, but maybe if you are a startup still, you don't have that money to be able to just pay out someone. Like what, what kind of creative strategies did you come up with? So we had the, I would say we had the privilege of being a very um, revenue driven company, a very cash um, driven company. Mm -hmm. It is a service-based business. So we, uh, we get cash up front for the services that we provide. Um, there's a very short term, uh, term period for, for payments. So we have the, the ability to pay for good talent. So uh, we definitely spoiled on that front. Okay. But something that really helped us in community, communicating our value as a small company that not a lot of people know about exactly. is our vivid vision. So it's, it's not pronounced, but it's a, it's, it's vivid vision and it is a painted picture of our objective or it's, it's more like a mission statement than anything. Sort of an, sort of a destination for, um, a certain time frame. in, in our case, it's a three year time frame, and most vivid visions are built that way because, uh, the founder of this idea vivid vision, uh, Cameron Harold. Uh, he, he came up with this idea because he believes that a five year time frame is too long mm. in one year. You can't really accomplish much. Three years is a good time frame to estimate what you can achieve. So based on his ideas, we built a nine page document that outlines in a very descriptive manner, what we're trying to build. So it's this document basically presents the company in a written form in nine pages. So it includes things like our core values, 
um, the snapshot of what a company looks like, um, our culture, mm-hmm. um, what our headquarters look like, our, our team, uh, what products and services we have, sales and marketing initiatives, what kind of media and awards and recognition do we have, uh, our financials, community involvement, and as well as how we feel as founders about the company. So it's a, a really, really vivid depiction mm-hmm. of where the company is headed towards. Put a lot of work and into it, that, it sounds like, right? We did. We did. It took six weeks for us to uh, come oh, up wow. with this. And we, we, and we even employed an external agency to help us out with the, the process. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, but it's very, very, very well. Effective? Fit because now, very effective. Essentially, what this does is it articulates what's on my mind into a nine-pager mm-hmm. that I can hand off to anybody who's interested in working with us, either as an employee, a partner, um, a client. It's very easy to communicate our values and our mission. So is it almost like a business plan, but it sounds like it's to a greater extent, right? Like you're focusing even more on the values instead of just number-driven, right? Is that kind of... So yeah, it's definitely not numbers driven, uh, but it's not a business plan either. It's more mm-hmm. of a destination, sort of like a point B, okay. where you key in on your GPS. Okay. That's where you're headed to it. And okay. our day-to-day job is to figure out the path to get there, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost, yeah, it's almost like a little sales pitch mm-hmm. too, right? Essentially, right? To, to potential people. Essentially. Yeah. Essentially okay. like a sales pitch. So it, no, that's, it, that's very it, useful. It, and for anybody that wants to check that yeah. out and, and look into it, what, what is it called online? If you want to search for it, is this, yeah, it's, um, it's vivid, vivid vision? vision. Yeah. Vivid vision. And the idea originated from a book called double, double by Cameron Harold. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. For yeah. any listeners that want to check that out, that's totally a different way of, of looking at it when, when hiring people and trying to bring people onto your company, especially if you, if you are still like in the startup phase in the first, first two, three years, and it might be a little harder because there's a lot of other bigger corporations competing for you, for your services. Yeah. Definitely. Um, exactly. and, and I guess, how did you, how did you even get in into this path like what did you just wake up one day you know two years you started about two years ago right i did so approximately yeah two and a half years ago yeah two and a half so i mean we're we're right like in the same time frame we both kind of started both of our businesses around the same time like what happened one day did you just kind of wake up and you're like hey here i am email marketing boom let's do it like (laughs) tell us that story Oh yeah, totally. No, no. <laughs> no that is a. Uh... You're like e- email is not a dying art. I'm gonna prove you wrong. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go yeah, full out on email, <laughs> double down. Like, damn. Exactly. How, did, how does this idea come about? Man, you're yeah, obviously you first, it. I mean, I mean, when you first thinking about uh, when you first think about email marketing, it's it's like what I don't even open my emails anymore. I don't even open promotional emails anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would anyone do that? as a specialization. So it's uh, it really occurred by chance and there was a lot of luck involved, honestly. Prior to this, I was actually um, exploring a couple of different ventures on, mostly online actually. Actually, all of them were online. Um, my first 
success story, I guess. It was, it was a minor success. Was uh, eBay dropshipping? So it was dropshipping stuff. Um, it was mostly retail arbitrage, where I was buying stuff off retail websites for for a discount, selling them off as a full priced item on eBay. Yeah, I, I did I was, that myself actually. Um, oh, that's was, awesome! Yeah, at a little little point, I did it from like big, you know, from big big retailers and stuff. Yep, yep. But same. it's just like, man, it's such a such a hustle. It's like, and at the end of the day, you're, it's tough. It's so it's a hustle. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really, really competitive. There's no real value add. And that was my biggest sticking point. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much money you're making, unless it's like a, like a really, really a lot of money, it's gonna, the, the whole idea of not creating a lot of value is gonna haunt you for, it's gonna be a nagging thought in the back of your mind mm-hmm. that you're not, actually creating a ton of value in, in, in the marketplace. And a lot of other so, people will try to do it too then. Cause if you're not like a pioneer, way too easy. <laughs> yeah, there is no way. Yeah. So I, I know of people who have done it successfully dominating mm-hmm. the eBay dropshipping space, but it's uh, it's really difficult. And it's really rare and it's very difficult to differentiate itself. So I did that for a bit and then made a couple, I would say a couple thousand bucks of profits and, that's it. I, I, I realized that this is not something that I want to do for the long term. Yeah. Um, so I pretty much just gave up on that. I considered that a failure, I guess, minor success failure. And then I, I started out taking, a, a, taking tons of courses on digital marketing, uh, copywriting, email marketing. And that was when I came across the boom on Shopify, the number of new mm-hmm. Shopify stores coming up from offline retailers coming online from you know want to be entrepreneurs starting your own business and it's become so easy and so many people oh yeah starting to to realize how easy it's becoming and i yeah i figured i i came from a to some degree an e-commerce background some e-commerce experience and it was really fun to some to some um degree and it's a growing industry. And if you look at the statistics, APAC, Asia Pacific, is set to overtake in pure e-commerce volume versus the rest of the world by 2023. So by 2023, APAC will account for more e-commerce sales than the rest of the world combined. Really? That's insane. Yeah. Um, it's Well, it's pulled off Shopify's. <laughs> website but yeah uh yeah they have a case study on it it's pretty interesting but so they're saying more than like uh the north north america right which is probably number one right now all of it yes yes okay exactly so that's that's incredible it's just such a growing and market out there it's it's such a growing market and it's it's really exciting and the fact that it's direct response a lot of stuff that we do on e-commerce is direct response where mm-hmm. Anything that you do is you're getting an immediate feedback or a very quick feedback as compared to running a brand activation campaign where you don't get information or data until say a couple months later or six months later and you have to run like a market research kind of project on it. So it's, it's much more fast paced and much more exciting to me. And I found a great, great vertical to focus on. And there were tons of courses teaching me how 
to run an email marketing campaign on an e-commerce store. And concurrently, there were tons of courses teaching you how to build an agency. So it was just a matter of piecing together different, mm -hmm. different parts um, and trying it out, just like how I tried things out with, uh, with eBay dropshipping. So I kind of just went on a full like sales hustle for a good two months without anything really. Like without, any, still, without offering anything yet? Yeah. But how um, did you, just, how did you do that? Did you pretend this idea was out there or did you have that vision board, the vision statement? No, I haven't had that. This, this was okay. actually created just this year, but okay. At the beginning, I was really just building a lot of relationships with people in the e-commerce space, my ideal target audience. And I've identified that um, they usually hang out in Facebook groups and really engaged in Facebook groups. So I figured that's where I'm going to be. And in fact, that's one of the, the methods, the sales methods that uh, one of the courses taught. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I started building up content on Facebook groups. Um, started reaching out to people, having conversations on how, what their pain point looks like, how can I help them, um, what can I value add to their business. And I started offering services uh, in, in managing their email marketing for free. And I did this for a, a good two months without huh. having a single dollar. Uh, all, uh, all alone? Anyway. Nobody else on your team? At that all point? Alone, yeah. All alone. Hmm. Exactly. So. I was doing that as pretty much, and I, I treated it as an experiment. Yeah. And to be fair, I was still in school. So I had somewhat of a safety net to fall back on mm -hmm. if I, yeah, if, if, if things didn't go well. So I did that for, for a couple of months and then came the first sale. I remembered having a conversation with a prospect and he was an extremely nice guy, mm -hmm. great person. And I, and well, now I realize that not everybody, not every prospect that I speak to is going to be like that, but yeah. he, he really gave me a, he, he said a really good impression on what the future looks like in, in a way where I enjoyed that process of, um, you know, having conversation with, with this prospect, um, things were going smoothly. And at the end of the conversation, he asked me, um, Sounds like you're you're doing an amazing work for uh, these other free clients that you that you're uh, working with. How much do you typically charge? And at the point in time, I was like, uh, I I don't know. I've I've never come to this far. I've never come this far before. Yeah. And I, I gave him the number, um, the first number that came to my mind. <laughs> I was like, all right, so it's this per month. And he's like, okay, sounds fair. I was like, what? That you sure that's it? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask. All right, cool. Did you actually tell him that? <laughs> nah, sure? nah, I, 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 I did. In your mind, did, you're I like, did. yeah, in, in my mind. I was, <laughs> wow, okay. I was like, okay, I'll send you the contract. Uh, can uh, wire me the money, PayPal, whatever it is, and we can get started tomorrow. L uh, yeah, Little so did he know yeah. you had no contract yet, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. So, uh, kind of just built things along the way. So that was my first sort of uh, validation of my, my mm -hmm. business idea. Because when there is a customer that, that's willing to pay you cold, hard cash, mm -hmm. that is the best kind of uh, market validation they can get. 
no amount of market research can beat people paying you for something that they're offering. So uh, that's how I got my start. And things kind of took off from there. I met great people. I, continu I continued the, the networking process. Mm -hmm. um, and referrals started coming in. So I relied heavily on just being in close groups. Close, yeah, close groups of, uh, of people, networks, and communities. Mm -hmm. And yeah, pretty much that's how I got started. Mostly, so, mostly online, though, right? You were networking or in person? It was mostly online. And I, after the end of 2017, I started attending offline events as well conferences, um, e commerce conferences, events. In, uh, in in the region in Singapore, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's still so offline events are still part of a part of our business development strategy till today. And like, did you know that? Like you mentioned, you know, you took some courses in agencies, in emails, and you know other things. Why why did you choose? Why did you choose uh, email marketing? Like some would say, you know, it's a dying art. It's true. It's, it's definitely true. something you hear, right? I mean, obviously, prove, yeah. prove, me, prove me wrong. Prove us wrong. You know? Absolutely. So, um, so I came across this guy called Ezra Firestone. Uh, he's pretty well known in the e-commerce in e industry. He was on the he's show, in, actually. Uh, oh, you got, you got to speak to Ezra? Yeah, nice. he, was, he was on the show a few months back. Nice, nice. Yeah, so... Um, great guy. He's a, he's a yeah. He's a great guy. He's a great friend now. But back then, I was looking to him like as a as a mentor, someone who's made it in the e-commerce space. And he is a big proponent of email marketing. Mm -hmm. And in his business, accounts for one third of all revenue generated. So one third of his entire business is generated with email marketing. And it's not just email news newsletters, but also email automations, lifecycle marketing, uh, segmentations, and a lot of the things that those people who say that email is dead don't really look into. Mm -hmm. So it, I, I got really interested in that because if I could impact a business to that degree, where I'm, where my efforts are accounting for one third of a of a, of a company's total revenue, that's significant and that's exciting to me. And that's very, very measurable. And um, so I figured that's, and, and it's not something that I, I cannot pick up. It's not something that I can't learn um, if I put in the hard work. So yeah, I gave it a shot um, and it worked out. And I mean, I'm hearing numerous things now, right? Like studies that are out there that let's just say other avenues die out because things come and go. It's pretty cyclical. They're saying the one thing that has been around for the longest time is email. Like even, it's even true. though the response rate might not be as high, right. But there's more yep. and more people that are still constantly using it. Is that kind of what you're, is that, is that the numbers you're using towards your advantage? Is that what you're looking at? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the e-commerce space, at least, it is something that people are kind of ignoring because it typically comes in a later stage of, um, of a business, mm -hmm. especially since it relies on a lot of data, a lot of customer data that a startup e-commerce brand might not have. 
and they're most likely better off building the brand, um, investing resources into building traffic instead of building email marketing. So typically when people look at email marketing as an e-commerce brand, it's usually at the later stage where they're starting to scale, starting to grow. Um, and most people think about it in terms of just newsletters or email blasts. Yeah. And that's when they see open rates of like 10%, 5% or even worse. And that's not the way to go because the average open rate that we're looking at as an optimized segmented, uh, as part of a, an optimized strategy with segmentations is approximately 20, 30% minimum. So that's easily a four to two to four X open rate. Of Can what you give us an example? Can you give us an example of the difference between that and the typical emails that we normally get on a daily basis or the newsletters and stuff? Sure. A typical newsletter would be something that's super generic, something that's not optimized, um, or I'd rather say personalized to your preferences and who you are in your relationship with that brand. <clears throat> An optimized email, in my perspective, is there to the right person with the right message mm -hmm. at the right time. So if you're able to achieve that, plus if you're able to automate that based on behaviors and events that happen, you're going to be way ahead of your competitors as an e-commerce brand. Got it. So, it. so it's like when Buffalo Wild Wings knows that I want wings that day. And they send it to me that very specific second because the football game's going on in two hours. That that's what exactly. we're talking about, right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly that. So yeah, if if you can go to that level of personalization and timeliness, mm -hmm. that's gonna be the most effective because people are the most receptive if it matters to them. If you're gonna be telling me about, say, I don't know, um, address. I'm not going to be concerned about address. I'm not going to be interested in it. But if you tell me about, a, I don't know, a set of poker chips, and I, I like poker, I might be interested in it. And it's just these little tweaks into the whole email marketing system that will make all the difference. And it's accumulative because a part of it is automated. So once you set things up, it's pretty, pretty much ongoing on its own, even when you're sleeping, even when everyone's out of work. That's, yeah, that's, that's the most awesome part. So how do you feel about like the inspiring motivational daily emails? You know, like, uh, like I, I, I got a bunch of those, you know, I, I have numerous different ones that come, keep coming in through. Um, mm -hmm. but for though, I don't, I feel like those are hard to open up because a lot of them just, it, it seems like content is usually the same day in and day out. Like what's your thought on that? It is, and it sounds like they don't, uh, they don't exactly understand what you care for. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, if, if you receive an email about how to effectively promote your podcast yeah. or something related to a podcast, that's going to be very interesting. And I'm, I'm presuming that you're most likely going to open it, at least have a glance at it versus an inspiring kind of a uh, motivational kind of thing. So that's, those are the kind of uh, pieces of information that mm -hmm. 
brands need to start collecting from their customers and begin to build individualized customer portfolios or profiles rather, and then targeting them with relevant content, motivational stuff, inspirational stuff that could be relevant. Especially it's very, if the but it's very in general, it. right? Yeah. It still is. Yeah. yeah. It still is. It, it, there is a place for it. Um, there is still definitely a place for it. Um, it still works for, you know, de- depending on what kind of business it is, what kind of an audience um, they're speaking to, but it's really important to have the two way kind of a interaction where you're collecting data, understanding your customers a little bit more through surveys, behaviors, and you know, it's super easy to do with, with marketing software today, the tons of them out there and most of the, um, the, most of the latest email marketing softwares offer some degree of data um, analytics and data segmentation. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So would you say that people, is it better to almost have more people in your campaign or is it better to have the right people then at the end of the day? Cause I feel like I, I, I got signed up to a lot of emails and stuff just naturally. Cause I meet a lot of people and I feel like some of them, it just makes me, more it makes it makes me turn off more to all these things because i keep seeing it day in day out but when there are those select few which i hope i hope i hope anybody listening out there didn't take your didn't really take your advice to heart because now i'm gonna get blown up with podcasting emails (laughs) (laughs) so thank you thank you but would you say what do you think is better then do you want to just keep growing your list and hoping it's a numbers game or just focus on who really would actually get your product and your message so it's it it really is a balancing act between the two um quality is definitely it it definitely has to be there all the time but without a significant volume of customers of significant volume of subscribers Mm -hmm. customer data um you won't be able to have a significant way to segment your list Got it. And you won't have a significant way to split test. So you won't ex- exactly get very relevant data out of a very small list. And you sometimes, if it's a list, even as small as say 20 to hundred people, mm-hmm. you might even fare better as a, you know, writing emails pretty much as a, like a very personal, in a very personal way, as if to a friend. And having an actual conversation back and forth with subscribers. So it's a completely different strategy at that stage versus at volume when you're trying to personalize at scale. And that's where our software comes in pretty handy. So how would you, what's, what last, you know, last, I know we're really picking your brain here, but these are all things that I think people could, could use. And it's very useful information. What would you say is the most affected way to gather emails, especially if like, say you're whatever, you have a business, say you have a podcast, you know, like what's been your number one way of uh, gathering emails? Absolutely. So it depends on what your business is. Um, as a, as a podcast, I would say, yeah, well, it definitely depends on a traffic source. Well, traffic source definitely has to come before collecting emails. Um, Email capture can happen in, uh, in, in quite a couple of ways, actually. With e-commerce brands, particularly, the ones that we work with, mm-hmm. um, we have pop-ups, slide-ins, 
inline opt-in forms, um, as well as as well as um, landing pages for just pure lead capture. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of ways that we kind of incorporate that that uh, technical aspect of leading people into a new funnel. But what really matters is how you position that offer itself. Why should I give you my data? Exactly. Why should I give you my, my email? Something that is um, really relevant to um, a podcast like Boss to Boss would be what matters to your audience. So I'm going to throw the, back, the, the, the question back at you. What do you think <laughs> your audience cares about? Something free, um, I guess, right? Some mm -hmm. kind of free content, something of value. Maybe it's a free book. Maybe it's a free um, subscription or something. Maybe it's uh, getting to meet someone, All right? I mean, it's, mm. it's, you know, maybe someone that was on the show before. I don't know, something like that, for example. Yeah, That's a great place to start. So I like that. So a free meeting with someone on the show, that could be a giveaway. Yeah. And that, that could that, be a that, great be so way. hard to do. <laughs> that would be difficult, but it would be really, really interesting uh, if you manage to pull that off, especially since I would assume that your audience are primarily people who are interested in entrepreneurship, interested in building their own business or getting out of 95. Oh, yeah. Meeting someone who's been who's who's been there, done that, is probably going to be very very interesting to this group of people. Alternatively, something that's a little bit more accessible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe a compiled um, a compiled ebook of your top ten learnings, top twenty five learnings from all the various speakers that uh, all the various um, podcast attendees that you've spoken to. That's going to be super interesting. Like a summarized version of you know in actionables that you took away from having all these conversations mm -hmm. i think that's going to be very interesting especially if someone is in a nine-to-five job or or something even more intense than that and they're just way too tired to listen to a podcast for whatever reason they want something that's a little bit more bite-sized that could be a, an interesting way to get them into the ecosystem I did not just write that down. I did not. Uh, I was, <laughs> just so you know, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a, honestly, try it out. It's a, it's a great way to start. But yeah, start thinking about what your audience might mm -hmm. find value in. That's, what, that's how, how I would start thinking about um, lead capture. And for everybody listening, you know, I hope you took that kind of to heart and maybe pulled that, maybe did that exercise as we were talking here about for example, podcasting, but whatever it is you're doing, you could think about it that same way towards your, your creative, towards your business, whatever, whatever it is you're doing or whatever company you're at. Maybe you want to, you know, give them some good ideas and here you are standing out from the crowd because you got this awesome email campaign idea. So be sure to, be sure to reach out to Joshua Chin and uh, give him a thank you. Uh, once again, it's Facebook. Uh, it's joshua.chin.jl. His LinkedIn, Joshua-Chin-JL, as well as the website, Kronos.Agency. And um, now it's on, it's on, uh, and it's time for our listeners' favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name, because they're all taken. What's that? That's right. <laughs> I saw those eyes get big. I, you're ready. I hope you're, uh, hope you had your, actually, no, I was going to say, I hope you had your coffee, but... 
Uh, oh, I just like, did. At, at this time? Oh, yeah, it's I saw DCAF. you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm all about decaf <laughs> now, too, man. I, I can't do, like, yeah. regular. I don't know. But, you know, without further ado, you're going to have five seconds to just initiate a few answers. Just throw out some answers. We don't want you thinking too hard about this, but we want to see, you know, who the subconscious mind uh, really is and who it reveals. Okay. So just some quick questions to get to know more about you. Um, otherwise, my producer, he's, he's always lurking in the background when I interview people. He's, like, hiding out and... He gets pretty mad at me, so I don't want to have to deal with him. So without further ado, <clears throat> no pressure on you at all. At all. Sure. <laughs> what is your favorite book? Principles. Principles by Ray Dalio. That's a great one. What is your favorite movie? My, um, Forrest Gump. Haha, <laughs> Classic. Mm-hmm. If you're stranded on an island, what is the one item you want with you? Can't be a person. Uh, a generator. Nice. Nice. I don't know what else you're going to generate out there, but I mean, <laughs> I, I guess that works. <laughs> I think that's a first. I think that's a boss to boss exclusive, everybody. A generator. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. We can watch that thing run for a while. <laughs> Is entrepreneur- I did not put a lot of thought to that. Yeah, I know, that's good. That's good. It's good. It's good. Is entrepreneurism a fad? It's not a fad. It's a, no, it's not a fad. It's a, no? it's a mindset. It's a if, mindset. How do you drink your coffee? <laughs> Black and bitter. And decaf? Or just right now because it's late? No, decaf. Uh, yeah, I, I do like four shots every day. It's It's... It's getting, it's becoming a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. good amount. I, uh, yeah, coffee is one of those things where you could either, you need it to live or once you get off of it, it's like, I don't know. Mm. Don't think about it because I don't know. <laughs> it's like a yeah. love and hate thing. Um, but besides coffee, what is the one item that you consume every day? Maybe you eat it, drink it, or you just have to wear it on you. But it's one thing that you can't go a day without. Oh, wow. One thing. Yes. Does it have to be a consumable? No. It could be maybe something you just wear every day. But it's like the one thing you can't go a day without. My phone. I, I do pretty much anything on my phone. Work. I, I stay connected on my phone. It's the same for pretty much anyone. Yeah. yeah that's that's the, easy, that's the easy answer. That's the easy answer. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm pretty simple. I don't carry a lot of things around. Wallet. And it's like a... Yeah, even my wallet is just a bunch of cards just put together like that. Oh, it's the same. I have the same kind, similar. Yeah, yeah, nice yeah. little one. Boom, that's it. Uh, yeah. If you could start up any business right now, like you had an unlimited amount of money, you could start up anything you wanted in the world, but it can't be your own business. What, what would it be? Ooh. Any business in the world. Um, Wow, that's hard. Um, I would say an ATM business by a bunch of ATMs in the United huh. States. Yeah, oh yeah, Actually, I, I watched the. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a matter of scaling and um, 
it's purely an operational game. Mm -hmm. There's not much strategy that goes into it. It's just easy. You just hope no one breaks into one of them because then you're kind of down. But besides that. Yeah, exactly. So you account for, for the risk of that happening into yeah. your business. Which at scale, you can do that. So I'm sure it's hard getting like a permit just to be able to do those though. Like I could see it being so competitive because like who wouldn't mm. want to just have a money printing machine, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's like, it's like getting a... Uh, I'm thinking of it comparable to like the gambling machines. Like nowadays, I think you could have slot four. Machines, yeah. yeah, the slot machines. Uh, like in the yeah. U.S., you could kind of, or I don't know of everywhere, but in my state at least, you could have them like per each location could have like four, I think, or five. And it's like the most competitive thing ever, like to get these little. Wow. Um, it's that's yeah. like a guaranteed, guaranteed yeah. win for the the owner. Yeah, I mean, it's you bring them in right away. There's like a line of people waiting to play. And I don't think I've ever heard of like anybody actually winning anything, maybe like a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. It, yeah. You're just making it's, money at that point. You're just, yeah, you're literally just printing money. It's crazy. It's wild. But who, uh, who's the one person that you're most, most nervous to meet? Like you can't wait to meet this person and it, it's something, something you look forward to. And um, who would, who would that be? Ooh, wow. That's a good one. Um, Dick, Ray Dalio. Uh, it would be Ray Dalio. Yeah. Is that, yeah, that right? I mean, if that would be pretty cool. Yeah. That'd be pretty. Well, you should prepare, man. You got to put that like on your vision board, and uh, it's only a matter. Of yeah. Time. Only a matter of time. You already met Ezra, right? He was on your list. I'm assuming before. Yeah, he was actually. So it's pretty, yeah, pretty crazy. It's gonna happen, man. It's gonna happen. Uh, and last but not least, say I uh, flew in, you know, to Singapore. I was like, Josh, I'm going to show you how we can make millions together. Billions. And then I, I strolled in with my, with my shorts and socks and sandals into a meeting with you. How, uh, how serious would you take me? I would take you seriously. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is it a normal thing out there or you just... You just don't don't care anymore. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, I tend to trust people pretty easily. Okay. That's my yeah, that's a that's a I guess a something that I gotta, gotta work, work with. But yeah, I, I mean I, yeah, very very easily trusting. But if someone's willing to put their word on the line with a with a claim like that, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I would say most people are at least serious to some degree, regardless of how they look. And I typically try not to judge people by how they look. Good way but, to put yeah. it. Good way to put it. I'll keep that in mind. So next time <laughs> when we do actually meet one day, I'm going to, I'm going to keep you to it, man. Keep you to it. Well, you survived. I survived. Steve Wiley, my producer did not come out. We are safe. You, you, you were getting close, man. A couple of those questions you were, you were, you were getting close. But I got lucky there. So last but not least, you know, Josh, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on. You, you got any final words for our listeners, especially those ones that maybe are miserable right now that are, you know, contemplating that next step in life or deciding what to do, you know, next in, 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 in their life just to whether they should jump ship or whether they shouldn't. What's your uh, what's your what's your saying to them? 
I, I would say give, give it a shot, man. Just give something a shot. Just try it out. Especially if it's, if it's super low risk, like taking a new course, learning something new, making a new connection. It's all gonna take you one step further, regardless of where your end goal might be. Um, even if you don't know where your end goal might be, it doesn't really matter. Doing something is usually the hardest part. It's that first step that is usually the hardest. And once you get that first step out of the way, it's, it's, you start to build momentum. It's really fun when you do. Yes, it is. And do you have a great way to get over that first step? Because that's usually the hardest thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so with, uh, I, I guess I had a, a slightly unfair advantage because I, I didn't really have a job to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I had somewhat of a safety net, but something that really helped me was understanding what my, um, the, the reason why. And for me, it was a lot of pain. And there were points in time where I only had like a, less than a dollar in my bank account. I was alone in Singapore. Obviously, I had relatives and stuff that I, that I could rely on, but it, it didn't feel good. And I knew that my family couldn't support me financially. Mm -hmm. And I had to support them financially um, and yeah they, they went through some tough times when I was a kid and they still are going through some tough times right now so I know for a fact that I need to you know get somewhere amount to something to get, give them a better life and that's basically my sort of my why your chip on your yeah. shoulder my chip on my shoulder yeah chip on my shoulder basically i love it awesome well joshua chin everybody uh be sure to check him out check out his agency chronos agent chronos.agency um no.com chronos.agency check out that website uh be sure exactly. to see him on there and uh hey man it's definitely been a pleasure having you on looking forward to uh to what's to come next you guys have grow grown tremendously um in your in your two and a half years um you know you have over what 40 employees now and your clients 55. Have, 55 oh wow yeah so you just you you, you grew since like wild. since the week ago that i got your info you grew by 15 employees we, <laughs> well i i think uh regina gave you some outdated information <laughs> but yeah yeah we have 55 right now so okay so it's not my yeah. fault good good <laughs> it's not. <laughs> all right, man. All right, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing what's next, man. Been a pleasure having you on. Take Likewise, care. Mirror. Thank you so much. That is all for this episode of Boss to Boss. Your next step is to visit boss2boss.com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is boss, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now.